I changed my message this morning, actually, and Hunter came to me a little while ago, and he said, which one? I said, both? No, I didn't. I said, the, the second one, because it's, it's what the Lord really laid on my heart early this morning, and uh, I don't like that, because I like to plan, and I like to have it all laid out and get it to him on Friday or Saturday morning, and to do it on Sunday morning, I don't like that. But I know the Lord laid this on my heart, and I leaned over to Sam, and I said, both these songs we, we sang today were about being in a battle. And I titled my message to today, What to Do When You're in a Battle. So I'm thinking that God's going to speak to somebody today, not because of that, just because of that. Amen. Come on. Y'all got to loosen up. Some of y'all still thinking I'm going to preach till 2. I can, I can sit on your faces. I'm not going to preach till 2. My wife would be in here about 1230 saying, it's time for us to go. Whatever you say, you can say that next month. So um, I tell my young ministers all the time, I said, fellas, look, they want, the people that you're preaching to, they want to know everything you, you know. They just don't want to get it all today, amen. They don't want to get it in one sitting. So uh, we're going to spread it out, okay. <clears throat> so if you have your Bibles, because you can't read up there, hope you brought your Bibles uh, or your phone. Second uh, Chronicles, Second Chronicles chapter 20, starting at verse 1. I do have a uh, somewhat of a lengthy um, passage I'm going to read, and then I want to talk to you just for a few minutes thereafter on what to do when you're in a battle. Have you ever been in a battle? You've been in a battle uh, this year so far. We're about two, two months into it. Been, you've been in a battle this week. Well, then you're not living. <clears throat> so, um, no. Battles, there's some battles are bigger than other battles, have you noticed? There's some things that they're just for, a, for maybe an hour or a few minutes. You know, we call those uh, differences of opinion in between uh, spouses. Uh, so, so some of those are a little, little bit. And then there's some them long ones. There's some things that you deal with that um, I'm like my buddy David Dotson said. He said, Lord, if I'm going through something... He said, let me get it quick so we don't hang out here too long. And so that's kind of the way I feel sometimes when I'm in battles. Uh, after about uh, three or four weeks, I realize, now, Lord, what am I not getting? Because I'm going to need to go and get this so we can, I got other things to do. And so there's all types of battles. But sometimes there's these battles that we go through that we just can't really seem to shake. And we wonder, how do we get through this? We love God. We're, 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 we think we're doing the right things. We're attending church. We're doing all those things. We're tithing. We're, we're praying. We're doing everything. But I want to give you a few things at the end of this passage of Scripture that's going to help you when you're dealing and going through a battle. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Chapter 20. Anybody ever heard of Jehoshaphat? Anybody ever wanted to name your kid Jehoshaphat? Me either. <clears throat> I mean, I'm thinking, what were they thinking with some of these names? I mean, it's like, don't call me that, Jehoshaphat. Well, I'm fat, but I mean, my name ain't Joseph either. So uh, it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and, the, and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. So they're coming to battle. Pay attention to what I'm going to tell you right here because it's going to set change. They're coming to battle. Battle's fixing to happen. As a matter of fact, they're, they're already there. They've already positioned themselves. We're going to learn here in a minute where, uh, where they, they know where the enemy is. So it's, it's happening, you know. It's like that setup. So it says they, their battle, they're coming against him. Verse 2 says, Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And they were, um, 
and they are in Hazazon, Tamar, which is in Gedi. Verse 3, and Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judea. So Judea, uh, Judah, I'm sorry, Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Verse 5, then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. I don't know if I can read from here or not. Next verse, <clears throat> I can't read that. Sorry, I've had eye trouble last week, and so I'm going to have to stay right here. So y'all are good back there. <clears throat> um, verse 6, and he said, O Lord God our, of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Listen to how the, the, the language changes. Listen to how the attitude changes Jehoshaphat is asking, Lord, God, are you not the God of heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nation? And, are you, and in, in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? He's changing his, he's going to God with, a, with an attitude, God, I know you can. And he's not questioning, is God this way? He's saying, God, are you not? I know that you are. So that's important that you understand how he's approaching God. It says in verse, um, in verse 7, Are you not our God? Are you not our God? Who drove out the, the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? Verse 8, And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it, your name, in your name saying, If disaster comes upon us, the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence. For your name is in this temple and they cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. Verse 10, and now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. See, when the children of Israel were pulling out, he, everyone in their path, he, he, he would have the children of Israel destroy them. But these he did not destroy. And now Jehoshaphat's saying, you wouldn't let us take care of them then. And now they're here upon us. You see, this is important on how you, how you approach God and how you, how you visit with him in your battle. So let, and I'll fill that in in a minute, okay? Here they are. Well, have you ever told God that? Here, here they are, Lord. I'm in this battle. Here it is. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. So many times the devil talks you right out of what God's given you. He'll talk you right out of it because you'll get on. I'm going to go and say it right here. I was going to wait. Some of you get on there and you're dealing with something in your life and you get online Especially sickness. I'm going to speak to sickness. You get online and you want to go to WebMD and figure out what your problems are instead of trusting in God. Now, I believe in doctors. Got one sitting in here. I believe in them. But you get on that, you get on, 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 on that and that, I'm telling you, that'll get your mind believing everything Satan wants you to believe. Trust in God. Trust in the word of the Lord. Amen. Let me move on. Oh, Hallelujah. Verse 12, O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives, their children, stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel, 
And, and he was the son of Zechariah, the son of Benani, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Ashpha in the midst of the assembly. And he said, and this is what happens when you let the Spirit of the Lord come up on you and take over. This is an attitude change. This is what he says. He said, listen, all of you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Verse 16, tomorrow go down against them, and they will surely come up against the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Verse 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position, it's important, position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Last verse. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Man, that is such a powerful uh, passage of Scripture, I believe the last song they sang, I don't know this, I just believe by the verbiage in that song, they had to come from 2 Chronicles chapter uh, 20 where it said we're going to go out be still and stand and fight no more. Now, I'm not telling you to give up. I'm telling you sometimes you've done all you can do and God wants to show you that it's in His power and it's in His might that battles are won. There's nothing you can do. If you could do it, you wouldn't, leave, you wouldn't even need God. But God has come by today in his scripture through me to tell you, I know that some of you are going through some things and you're wondering how we're going to get through this. And I'm tired of fighting. You ever been tired of fighting? Got three people that's been in the battle in this church. Let me, let me try it again. You ever got tired of fighting? Come on. I mean, there's battles you think, Lord, if this goes on one more day, I'm just throwing in the towel. Matter of fact, you've picked up the towel and you've got it ready and you're fixed to do this. And, and that's where I think, I think that's kind of where they were, Fonda. And the Spirit of the Lord came up on Jehaziel and said, Don't throw in the towel. Let me tell you what God says. We got to have more people that get under the influence of the Holy Spirit in a battle and say, What do you say, Lord? What are you saying about where I'm at? What do you want to do in this situation? Instead of trying to figure it out on our own, we've already got ourselves in a mess. We're already in a battle. Let's lean on God. Let's let God do what God can do, amen? And I'll do what I need to do. There's just five things I want to talk to you about real quick. I'm sorry, I've got to repent. I've never talked about anything real quick, <clears throat> amen? So. Amen and amen. Can I get some deacons uh, to escort? No, I'm kidding. Hey, they know the truth. <laughs> Number one, five things you need to do when you're in a battle. Number one, let's look at verse three. Seek the Lord. Typically what happens is we seek every other avenue, every other method, anything else that can help us other than the Lord. But look in verse three, and Jehoshaphat feared. Now he was scared to death. This wasn't a holy fear. He was scared. And he said, <clears throat> and he set himself to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast throughout all Ju Judah. 
First thing we got to do is seek the Lord. When you're going through something, when you know that there's a battle coming, you know, most of the time in my life, I know when, when there's a battle brewing. You ever, you ever know that, uh, well, especially nowadays, we know when a storm's coming. Uh, we have, uh, I don't even know all the stuff now, Doppler radar, NOAA weather. We used to have weather radio. Anybody ever have weather radio in your house? They give to you, you still get one of them little things. And you know, that's a pretty neat deal. That's before Internet and Facebook. Look. With Facebook, praise God, we know there's a storm before the storm knows it's going to be a storm. <laughs> praise the Lord for social media and Instagram and tweeters and whatever it is y'all ever do. You're Instagrammers and amen. And so, so, but you know when the storm's coming, right? You, you know when things just don't seem right and fit right in your life. You, you know that there's a storm coming sometimes. And here's what we do. We try to figure out how we're going to fix it before it ever happens. First thing we ought to do is Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and, and call a fast. And my mama, look, when we used to go through things at our home and my mom and dad goes, look, we went through stuff with my mom and daddy. Come on. Mom and daddy fast, you fasted too. We had a missionary friend. He said, when I fast, my animals fast. He said, everybody fasts on my. He said, if I feel it's bad enough for me to skip meal, everything on my farm, everything that I'm going through, it's it going to fast with me because we're all in this thing together. And I thought, well, that's a pretty good plan until you, got, until you don't get to eat. Mama, why are we not eating? Well, the Lord called us to a fast. And as a teenage boy, I'm thinking, he said nothing to me, not a word. I was going down the road one time, Randy, me and my son, and I was just kind of picking with him, and he was asleep over in the passenger seat over there with his head laid back, and I was messing with him, and I said, Son, I think the Lord's calling me, me and you to a fast. Without opening his eyes or raising his head, he said, Have him pick somebody else. <laughs> I thought, What in the world? I'm on my own there, I guess, you know, so. so. I know fasting, it, it, it sounds, sometimes fasting is old-fashioned. Oh, you ain't got to fast. I mean, you got to fast. Sometimes you have to fast to get the results you want. You know what that's doing? That's setting you apart from the world. That's just saying, Lord, I, I'm, I'm concentrating everything on you. I'm consecrating myself to you. That's what fasting does. So there's things in your life you need to, you need to fast over. So number one was to seek the Lord. <clears throat> number two, ask for help. Verse 4 says this, So Judah gathered together, to ask help from the Lord. Man, that's a, that's a novel idea. Just ask for help. You know, so, sometimes I'm doing something around the house, around the farm, and I just need some help, and, and I'm still 22 in my, in, in my head. But the rest of me, don't be looking up, don't be looking up, Dale, it's you too. But the rest of me knows you better ask for some help because you won't be doing anything tomorrow because you'll be stove up in your back, your hips, your legs. You know, I got things hurt on me that I didn't know I had. But to ask for help. Sometimes we get stubborn and we don't ask for help or we wait a while and we think, well, this is such a small thing, God. Uh, here's, here's what the enemy will tell you. How many times you ask him for that? How many, time, how many times you, have you already asked him? He, you know, he's getting tired of you asking. There's something wrong with your faith walk if you've got to ask him that many times. He's, he's, he's upset with you probably. I mean, come on, what's happening? Just leave God alone because he's, he's busy. The enemy will tell you those kind of things. But guess what? I want to I tell you this. 
ask for God's help. I don't care if you've got to ask him 3,000 times. Keep asking. Just ask and ask and just keep on asking. It's kind of like what we talk about when we're praying around here. What do we say? You pray. How long do you pray? Till you get the answer. If that's a day or a week. So number two was to simply ask God for himself. And number three, now this is a tough one. We find all this in verse, uh, 5 through 12, and I won't reread all of these verses. But in verses 5 through 12, <clears throat> we have to have confidence in the God you serve. You know, so many times we go through life and we, we, we well, we kind of think, God, I have a lot of faith, Beth, if I'm praying for your stuff. You're going through, I'm praying for you. Oh, yeah, I just believe God can. But when it comes to our stuff, sometimes we don't think God can. We just, all of a sudden, we have doubt and fear that comes in our mind. And it's, it's like, I just don't know if it will for me. You ever been that way? I just don't know if God will do that for me. Well, God will do it for you. He wants to do it for you. But we need to have confidence in God that he will. You know, the Bible talks about healing. And I, I, I'm using, been using this illustration. The Bible talks about healing in several passages. Isaiah 50, 53, uh, 1 Peter 2, 24. Uh, talks about healing in our bodies. And that we have to have faith that he'll do that. It's the same faith that he'll heal your body. It's the same faith that says you can be saved. You understand that? So if you feel like you're a child of God, if you say, well, I've been saved. I, I, I have faith that I'm saved. Then that same faith is the same faith that it takes. Come on you to be healed there's no faith for this and faith for that it's faith in him okay it's just faith in him not not other stuff in him so if you have faith in God if you have the confidence in God things can happen and for your favor for your good what happened to the children of Israel here is that God began to orchestrate and it looks so crazy we're going to call a fast. Lord, they're, they're mounting down here on the edge of the, of the valley, and they're coming up the valley. We already know. They done told us that they're coming up this, and where we're going to find them, Lord, and you want us to fast? Don't you think that we need some nourishment, some food, so we can be strong to fight the battle? Isn't that the way we think? See, we start taking it on ourselves. Lord, I think we ought to do it this way. Lord, if you'll let me, I'll tell you what, Lord, I, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Lord. I'm going to fast breakfast because I don't ever eat breakfast anyway, but I'm going to go ahead and eat lunch. Come on. And, 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 and Lord, we'll, we'll compromise. We'll, we'll make a compromise, Lord, where, where uh, you do it, you, you some, and, and then I'll do it my way. And together, Lord, we're a great team. Hallelujah. God says, ain't what you want? I don't want you to do that way. I want you to call a fast. I want you to seek me. I, 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 want, I want your undivided attention. You know why God does this sometimes? Hear me out. It's so that there's no doubt that it's him that provides the miracle of the blessing. That he's the deliverer, not you. Not what you could come up with in yourself. And I'm guilty of that a lot of times. Won't help God out. Give him some, uh, well, Lord, I know you're God and everything, but you know, uh, I'm probably going to need to help you. Because you don't, I don't know if you know everything. Because, you know, you don't know my, all of my secrets. So, Lord, let me help you with that. You ever been there? Okay, we got two honest people plus me. There's three people honest in the church. Okay, amen. God wants to bless you. God wants to get you out of a battle. But there's certain things in the battle you've got to do. You've got to seek him. You've got to ask for help. You've got to have confidence that God can do whatever he wants to do and whatever the plan is for your life. And then number four, we find in verse 12, the latter part of verse 12, you have to fix your eyes on Jesus. 
You have to get focused, if you will, on him. How many know that you can get distracted real easy in life? Life happens. Kids happen. Well, they just don't happen, but you know. They, 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 they appear out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, you got three kids. And it's like, wow. And life is just coming at you so crazy. And then the jobs and all this stuff, and then there's not enough money to go around because all these kids, and then it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, what happened? You start blaming your wife for wanting nine kids, and you got three and can't afford them and all this stuff, and then it's like, yeah, well, if you made more money, we'd have more kids. You see what I'm saying? I'm going somewhere. It just keeps building, and, then, and it builds and builds. Some of you have never been married. <laughs> not one day have you been married. And life just keeps building and it keeps building and it just, it's like you keep blowing air in those balloons that you think will never pop and they just keep going and all of a sudden, pop. And boy, is it on then. I'm talking about it turns loose and everything happens at once and you're wondering how are we going to fix this. But I want to tell you this before I go much further. If we were to started looking at the battle before we were in the battle and saying, Lord, what do, you, what do you want to do? Lord, let me seek you. How do you want to do in my life? Lord, what decision? Should I take this job? Should I not take this job? Should I have a child right now? Should I not have a child? Should I buy this? Should I not buy this? Lord, what do you want to do? Do you know if we start seeking the Lord first, a lot of our problems go away because God never puts us in a position. He never designed us to have some of these problems. They're all self-inflicted. Not saying that there are bad things that happen in our lives. I'm simply saying that that wasn't what God wanted for our lives. God wants good things for your life, believe it or not. He wants all good things for your life. I believe that with all of my heart. He wants you to have stuff. He does. He wants you to have homes and cars and lands. He wants you to be prosperous. And if you're here and you're a visitor, I'm not a prosperity preacher. I just know God. God wants you to have things. But he wants you to have those things so you can be a conduit to bless others. Come on. That's, that's the plan. He wants to, you to be blessed. You know, I heard this saying one time. This is so true. You know how to help poor people? Don't be one. Think about that. Just let that sink in. I'm not trying to be derogatory. Poor people can't help poor people because they're poor. They don't have anything to help them with. Right? So the Lord wants to prosper you and bless you. He wants to help you in your battle. So let's look at verse 12. Our God, will you not judge them? um, I'm going to get the latter part. For we know... Uh, For we have no power against this great multitude that has come against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. There's times in a battle, there's times in life that you're going to wake up in the middle of the night and you're going to say, I don't know what to do. I'm at my wit's end. I've tried everything. My bank account's empty. Uh, the, 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 the doctors don't know what to do. That, that avenue's run out. I, I, I don't know what to do. And Scripture says, let's read it again, the last part, verse 12. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Wouldn't that be an awesome place to live in? Where but when we get up in the mornings and we say, Lord, our eyes are fixed on you. What do you want to do today? Lord, what are you going to do today in my life? What do you want to unfold today in my life? Because, see, God, God's, God's got this crazy idea that he wants to bless other people as well. 
And if you obey God and you say, God, what do you want to do today? And you start walking in that, he gets the opportunity to bless other people along the way. But if you get hung up in your battle, watch this, come on. If you get hung up in your battle trying to do it your way, somebody down line gets messed up. Now, God has a way of getting stuff to them, but God wants to use you. God wants to use you and you and you. But we get hung up in our battles. So what's the answer, Pastor? Well, I've been going to give you four of them already. Seek the Lord first. Ask for his help. Have confidence in God. Put your eyes on him. And then lastly, Lee, can I get you to come? Verse 18. Humble yourselves and worship. In verse 18, Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Now, I want to add a verse to this as well. In verse 13, and all Judah with their little ones, listen to what I'm going to tell you, with their little ones, their wives, and their children stood before the Lord. In other words, when you go through a battle, a lot of times it's just not you. It's the people that are around you. And I'm going to speak to, to, to moms and dads just for a minute, grandparents. When you go through a battle in life, you don't have to be Superman. You don't have to be a superwoman. You don't have to be the super Christian. You, you don't have to carry the weight necessarily all by yourself. There's times in battle when, when you got to gather your family together because the battle in a home is coming against everybody in the house. And there's times when you gather that battle up, you, those children, those grandchildren, the wife, the husband, whoever's living, you gather them up. And you say, look, we're in this thing together because there's a battle happening to our family. I, I would never want to uh, go through a battle knowing that the enemy is after my kids and say, well, I'm just going to try to do this by myself. I think I'll be superhero. No, gather them up and say, look here, we're in a battle. The enemy is out to destroy families. I believe this all in my heart today. That the enemy is out to destroy every marriage. Every person is married in this room. He's out to destroy your marriage right now. I don't care if you've been married for a week or, or 50, 60 years. He's out to destroy your marriage. Why? Because when he destroys the marriage, a lot of people are affected by that. Come on. I know we don't like to preach on, 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 on this kind of subject, divorce and stuff like that in the church. And, and because I, we don't want to offend them. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm trying to get you prepared. That there's a battle. If you're married, you're already engaged in a battle with the enemy. Guaranteed. You're engaged in a battle right now. You say, well, things is going good in my life, Pastor. Just give it a little time. It's coming. He's mounting up an army to try to split you up. And you'll be fighting over the craziest, dumbest things. But I'm telling you, as your pastor, we're, 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 we've been going through some things. Uh, me personally, but I mean, the church is in a battle. God's calling us to do some things that we've never done before. And we're, we're facing a battle. We've been teaching on unity. Unity in the body. When we get unified 
Oh, that opens up the presence of a holy God to come down and be with us when we're unified, when we know what we're after and what we're fighting against. When we come together with prayer, like this, we're going to get the children and their wives. We're getting everybody together. We want everybody on the same page because we're in a battle. And if the battle's at your house, I'm here to tell you right now, you need to get your family together. Daddies, would you listen to me? Daddies, you quit letting the mamas be the priest of your house. Come on, that's, you're, already, you're already one step behind the enemy right there. Because the Bible never instructs the, the woman to be head of the house, spiritually speaking. He instructs the man to take the spiritual leadership of the home. And we wonder why we're losing battles day in and day out why our kids are, are being drawn to this and drawn to that it's because daddies are lazy come on I'm going to preach to you because daddies you're lazy spiritually it's time if your kids mean something to you it is time today to say I tell you what devil you're going to have to come over me through me around me to get to my babies it's time that the young men Stand up and be the spiritual leaders of the home and lead by example. I didn't plan on going that way, but I'm telling you there is a battle that if we don't get prepared for it, we don't, we don't approach it right, we'll lose it. We got so many babies in this church. My God, I love all these kids running around here. I don't mind. I don't mind going by with the scrubby and... Rubbing off some crayon uh, that's been run down the wall for 22 feet down the wall. I don't mind that. I don't mind fixing a hole in the wall. We had a hole that stayed over here for the longest. It got kicked in there because the kids was in here playing one and got a hole kicked on. I patched it over. People say, what, what's that hole for? Because we got kids. Glory to God. The more I heard people complain about it, the more I wanted to leave it there. And I did leave it for a long time. Help us remind us that we got something worthwhile in our church come on we got some kids and we don't want the enemy to take them I was sharing with some of the gentlemen in my office this morning you, you may know this this world we live in is after our kids come on they're after, he's after, they're after you but I told him today the enemy is not in a hurry I've, I've said it before I believe the enemy's in a hurry because he wants to get all the he'll take as many people as he can to hell with him I, I, I don't know that I agree with that anymore he's in no hurry He's taking his time. He's not after Jason. He's not after you, Beth. He's not really after me. He's after our kids. Just taking his time. I don't even know why I'm going here. But mamas and daddies, if your kids have phones, iPads, whatever they have, Androids, Galaxies, whatever it is. What is it? Another, is there, did I miss something? Okay. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I shared with these guys this morning, and maybe, I'm, maybe you say, well, I already knew that. But today, you can get a, or if you update your phone, you can get an emoji with a pregnant man on it. Did you know that? You can get an emoji with a man that's got his, and he's rubbing his belly. Now, see me, I'm never going to send that to you, Jason. See, this is why the enemy is, it's a battle. See, you get your kids and our grandkids used to seeing that. 
And in a few years, it's just common nature. It's just, it's just, ah, oh, it's been there forever. The old saying, what we tolerate, our children will embrace. Come on. And we got to get ready for a battle. We're in one. Problem is, the church has been doing nothing. They know it's brewing. There's a divide, believe this or not, in church, in church denominations across the world, but more specifically in the United States of America. And I'm involved in some of these um, forums, if you will, where we discuss this. And there's some that's adamant. Don't get involved in politics. It'll split your church. Do get involved in politics. Don't do this. Don't do this. Well, here's, here's where I'm at. Because, see, if we don't get involved, we're losing a battle politically speaking because, see, we need Christian people in those, in those positions. I had one pastor tell me once, said, don't you ever, ever speak about politics. He says, you're going to like some people for it and some people against it. I said, well, I'm not really about politics. I'm about right and wrong. And, and I can't help it if, if who you voted for was wrong or, or who you voted for was right. What I'm, what I'm telling you, church, is it is time for us to quit being lazy and saying, well, we're going to come together, we're going to worship God, and that's all we, sometimes all we have to do. That is sometimes. We read that sometimes you just got to sit and watch and let the Lord do the battle. But I want to tell you this. More times than not, you got to get up off your derriere. As one friend of mine said, your blessed assurance, and go do something. Come on. When you're in a battle, let me tell you what to do. And I'm going to close. You got to humble your, lastly, you got to humble yourself and you got to worship. We have lost the importance of worship. Do you hear what I'm saying? We've lost the importance and the effectiveness of worship. We think, well, they sang the song I don't really care for. So therefore, I'm going to hold back on my worship to the Lord because I don't like that song. The Bible in Hebrews chapter 6 says you're already all supposed to be past the elementary doctrines of such stuff. You're already be past that little foolishness. If that's your hang-up, you need to check and make sure you're even saved. Come on, I'm going to speak to you. When's the church going to be mature in humbling ourselves and worshiping? You see, so many times... The, the importance and the effectiveness of worship in the church. And I'm going to tell you, about, before I close, I'm going to close in just a second. I'm going to tell you how, how God looks at worship. Are you ready? God puts wor- the, um, the uh, importance of worship at a very high level. There's, uh, remember King David in the Bible? And he went to get the ark. Because it had been stolen from the Philistines and he was bringing it back and he did it all wrong because King David was a, he was a man and he wouldn't do it his way he didn't read the instructions and so he put it on a, on a cart with some oxen and, and, it, and it began to rock and, and, and Uzzah reached out his hand and, and touched it and, and God killed him and David got mad okay and so David was scared and he was mad at God and he said well just leave it right there if that's the way God's going to be just leave him right there Sounds like church folk. Just leave him over there if he's going to be that way. If he ain't going to answer my prayer, just leave him over there. We ain't got to go to church. Just leave him over there. And so he comes back, and he's so aggravated for three months. He looks down the road, and he sees Obed-Edom in his house and his stuff. I mean, lambs are having three at a time. 
you know, I mean, he's just doing stuff just happening down there because the blessings of the Lord. And so David said, well, what did we do wrong? So David goes back and gets the instruction manual and says, oh, man. I wasn't supposed to put it on a cart. The Levites were supposed to carry it on poles. So he got all the stuff right. He went back and he grabbed the ark and he started coming back and he started sacrificing every six paces. He'd give the sacrifice. And in front of the ark, David worshipped. The Bible says, you can read this in, in Samuel, our kings, uh, that where he danced before the Lord and he worshipped. He was expressive in his worship to the Lord. For someone, say, anywhere from two to five miles, just depending on, I haven't been there, don't know exactly, but, but a long ways. And he, and he was worshiping. And the, he got to the city of David. And Micah, which was Saul, King Saul's the first king of Israel, his daughter, King David, was she was given to King David because King David killed Goliath. If you go back and read the story. And that's how they were married. And so she was standing at a window looking out at King David. And she was one of them uppity people. You know, had to have their hair did all the time and the nails did and the bling bling, all that stuff. She was one of them. And, and she thought, we got to be dignified. That's the worst thing ever happened to a church. We got dignified. And she saw King David, and when he sent all the people home that night, he comes in. And he's so, I can just imagine, because you know how you get happy in the Lord, and then your spouse says, What'd you do that for? He looked like a fool. That just takes air right out of it, don't it? So King David, he goes in and Micah says, Oh, weren't you something out there today? The king of Jerusalem, king of Israel, you were, yeah, look at you dancing like some fool out there, making yourself look so ignorant and crazy. I'm telling you, the importance God put on worship. I like David's response first, though. He said, well, woman, he didn't say it that way. I just think that's the way I would have responded. Well, woman, wait till tomorrow. If you thought this was something, I'm going to get crazy and ignorant tomorrow. I'll dance even greater. Come on, that's what he said. He said it. Just not that way, but he said it. And you know what the Lord did to Micah? From that day, she never could have child. He said, because you've mocked the worship to me you'll be barren now you say well that's not a big deal it in that day it was a huge thing that a woman if she was barren couldn't produce an offspring especially when you're married to a king god takes our worship more serious than what you think you think it's a time where we come in and we sing a couple of songs and we lift up our hands and we say Mm, that feels good, but I wish we could sing this song. I wish we would do it this way. I, that, I've heard that, and that's a nice song, but I wish the tempo was a little better. That's the way I like it. See, God really, really don't care what you like right there. See, it's, it's not even, can I, can, I, can I tell you the truth? Can I be truthful to you? It's not even about you anyway. It never was about you. It's about Him. That's why we've been coming in and saying, Lord, if there's anything that hinders my worship, I got a revelation that worship is important to God. Church, it's time that the church humble themselves 
And I don't mean just in the, in the worship song. That's it. In the mornings when you get up, humble yourself before the Lord. During the day, humble yourself before the Lord and worship Him. Acknowledge that He is the King of kings. He has directed your path and in your battle. I'm telling you, if you'll begin to humble yourself and worship in your battle, God will begin to change some things in your battle. I believe that with all of my heart. Been through too many battles. I've done the shouting. I've done the sitting. I've done the crying, and I've done the rejoicing. I've done them all. And what I do know is this. Through every method, God is God. He's still God, and He didn't leave me one moment. He didn't leave me one time in my battle. So I want you to stand with me all across this building. Hallelujah.